Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hashtag no music, no intro. Friend of the podcast. I know that's such an esteemed title you look for. Friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. Anusha Takui of the Los Angeles Times joining us. This is your... Third time, I think. I think, I think it might. I think it might be, yeah. Third time, like uh, you're, you're. I mean, we don't have pod mileages. Like it's not like an airline, but like it's you're racking them up. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna have that concierge card soon. <laughs> <laughs> gonna be like up in the air, and you're like, oh, this is this is this is all I get. This, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> all right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you so much for for coming on. We haven't spoken to you in feels like forever and I feel like since the last time we spoke so much has happened in Hollywood just in terms of streaming with COVID kind of easing how that's working in Hollywood Mm. but the first place I want to start and we want to start is you wrote in marvelous tremendous article uh for the LA Times uh everyone should read it please make the time to read it um talking about women of color, people of color, diversifying and finding their own platforms and creating their own platforms to get a mark and make a mark in the entertainment industry. It was a tremendous piece. And you talked to, you know, Ava DuVernay and and just other people. And then it was at the hashtag start eight Hollywood, which I was going through that hashtag yesterday, like how did, what came about and why you wanted to tell this story and how that, how it even came about? Well, um, firstly, thanks for your kind words. I appreciate that. Um, I, you know, it's great um, to do stories where, you know, uh, people are happy to tell their story. Um, So uh, I'm kind of, this is, you know, you're kind of lucky to get to have that, but, Basically, you know, I, I write about production and sort of the, the working of Hollywood and, you know, the lack of diversity is something that remains a major issue um, and how to, and for those that want to see change, how does that happen? Because there's been a lot of talk for many years, but um, the numbers, you know, show like still like big gaps, you know, there are some crafts um, where you know, there is hardly any diversity. So, um, you know, it's uh, like, I think, you know, cinematography and um, for example, and some of the arts, uh, like arts departments have um, on, on film sets and film crews have very low representation. Um, and, you know, I'd written a bit about, um, I'd written about, you know, the struggles of writers, black writers in Hollywood, and uh, generally the sort of whiteness of unions, um, the big powerful unions in Hollywood. And one thing that I was wondering about is like the pipeline, like how do you get into Hollywood and what is, what is the, what is the, what is the problem there? Like there's clearly a, a, an issue. 
and um, because we're not seeing the numbers change. And what I saw was there was a lot of groups that were reaching out to me and that I was seeing online um, on Twitter and other social media where um, really like different like marginalized groups that are underrepresented in Hollywood were forming their own networks to mentor each other, give each other breaks in the industry, give them, you know, create a safe space. Um, you know, uh, who you know is uh, one of what was like a, 50, a 15,000 member Facebook page for the industry um, started by an executive who, who works uh, at Reese Witherspoon's um, production company um, and uh, called Brie Frank. And, you know, that's just like a safe space for, you know, uh, for people to get yeah get mentorship and get connections because that's the whole thing about Hollywood is that it's a lot about who you know so um, it, I wanted to take a look at these kind of different networks that were helping people get their first break or get some progress in the industry yes uh, I, I, I just you know I've read your article twice and yeah. I just love I loved it because it, it kind of hits on it something I just, I really appreciate. I love movements and, and, uh, you know, people that come together and kind of form these coalitions and pushes to not just advocate for something, but like, okay, let's put something together and like actually create action. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Like that, and that's not to denigrate, like, you know, protests or, you know, call to actions and stuff like that. But I mean, like, actually let's put together groups and form apprenticeship programs or mentorship programs or some, you know, actionable things that actually like make change, you know? Right. Because, and, you know, I, yeah, go ahead. No, I was gonna say there was, there's a recognition that the studios, the big studios and big media companies, they have some programs, they have fellowships, they've yeah. been for, for, you know, for increased diversity for like 10, 20 years, some of them, um, but the numbers are what the numbers are, you know, and, right. um, and uh, they are not representative at the minute. So I think, you know, uh, like I talked I talk to Stephanie Dunn, a professor at Morehouse, and she, you know, was saying they kind of highlight the importance of having networks that exist outside of the system. And when you think that that system is like generally white male led, um, then, you know, there are unfortunately barriers that exist. And so mm -hmm. everybody needs mentorship and connection in, in whatever industry you're in, right? But if, yeah. you know, if there's no one that you, not that you, you can't connect, you know, if you're a person of color, you can't connect with, you know, people who work or whatever, but it's about community and networks and when you're hiring, who you're hiring from. And it's just a trend that people talk about that. For example, if you're hiring for a film crew, you're going to hire maybe people that you know that you've worked with before and it's all right, about right. it's all about it perpetuates in the, the current system so i think that's what these networks are trying to challenge and also you know i think also in terms of i i found the the who you know group kind of very interesting in that you know it's own like it is a closed private group and um brie frank was very uh when i talked to her about it you know very kind of um strict about the idea that like okay you may be an ally um like a white ally or whatever but this has to be a safe space and mm. so she's really keeping it to that and understanding that you know there's a lot of judgment that there's a lot of um repercussions that can happen to people if you know they can fear speaking about um situations so i, I thought that was very interesting um 
the fact that you know you kind of need that space people clearly thousands of people felt the need to create that space so um i think that tells you a lot about the industry absolutely and being that you're a woman of color what kind of off topic but i'm on the same line like how did you break in into the industry that is so difficult. Obviously you're on the media side, but still mm. there's still barriers and obstacles for women in general, especially mm. women of color um, in the entertainment industry or in any form of media. How would your journey in terms of getting to where you are with the LA Times? Right, so I'm half Iranian, half Welsh, if you want to be specific. And I was born in London, grew, grew up in London and I'm, I'm you know, I think if you looked at me, you could say, you know, I, you know, definitely light skin. So I'm not someone who I think has the same struggle as, you know, a lot of the people that I've spoken to, Cheryl Bedford in this, and 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 some of the the actual workers talk about, you know, the role of colorism as well um, in trying to get hired in Hollywood. Um, so for for me personally, um, you know, uh, I, um, I I don't getting into journalism uh, in the UK was, I think, more of a factor for me. And, and, and I think a lot of journalism, um, you know, unions have brought this up, is the idea that, you know, is your background in terms of like, can you afford to work for free at the beginning of your career? Yeah. Um, and that is a big people recognizing, especially in journalism, one of the reasons there is a lack of diversity in newsrooms is because, you know, many people can't afford to do that. And yet that's how, um, that's how I got into the industry. Like it was through someone, I think my, I mean, the first kind of bit of work experience I got, I, I got through a friend of a friend and um, it was for free. And then also, and that sort of then became, you know, full-time work. And then when I got my, yeah, I think when I got my first reporting job, I really wasn't paid very much. Like, um, so it, it was, I had, I had the ability, I had the privilege of having parents that I could live with or that could pay for this, that, and the other, and that were helping support me. So I think you've seen that in a lot of the unionization of newsrooms um, across the US. Uh, very much that folk and you know it's in podcasting as well we saw mm. the ringer in la um and uh, gimlet just recently um agree a contract um with uh, a union contract under the wga uh, the writers guild of america east actually um with their owner spotify um to create a base salary you know um and to they also include um as part of their terms making sure that when there's an interview process that um, there's a diversity of people in the, that are considered in the interview process. So um, I know, and, and so, I, and I think that that's, that's true in Hollywood as well and in film and entertainment that not everyone can be affording to work for free or whatnot. So right. if, if opportunities to you know, do internships mean working for free, then that's gonna limit the pool of people who can get into the industry. Um, yeah. So, Right, so that's kind of what I'd say um, to that. Yeah, yeah, and it's—I mean, we see the same debate. I see the same debate on Twitter all the time, like from mm -hmm. sports mm -hmm. enthusiastic sports young people, 
They're like, hey, I want to get into sports writing and all that stuff. How do I get in? And a lot of people would give them advice like, look, you just got to start a blog, start writing for free. You know, or go write for this blog or that blog and, you know, just get yourself in the door and get people to review your stuff. And then, you know, maybe you get a job down the line, maybe, you know, and I'm like, I'm just thinking like, man, if yeah. <laughs> if yeah. he doesn't have parents looking out for him or if he, you know, if he's just a kid, you know, that just, you know, doesn't have the resources to even think like that, it's like, oh, good luck, man. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> better go get a job. <laughs> and that's the interesting thing to that a lot of people that um, I spoke to say, like, uh, when I spoke to Ava DuVernay and I spoke to um, James Duhon, who's a cinematographer, who's on this database, Array Crew, um, yeah. which is in the uh, which is basically was her solution to um, when she would hear like, you know, people that say they were producers that were trying to diversify their all white crew, trying to say, well, I don't know, you know, any black cinematographers. I don't know yeah. any Asian um, grips, you know, or whatever. Like, so she, she, you know, and, and there are other lists like this, but she created this database that, can be easily used and the cost is managed is, is basically absorbed by the studio so mm. it's not something that producers can say oh this is an expense that i've got to add if i want to add yeah. diversity so um you know people can list themselves on that database and um you know i think talking to people you know they, there's um what i spoke to james duhan who's, who's a cinematographer and he's based in dallas you know one of the things that um, he was saying to me was that a lot of people don't know that you can earn good money in this industry and that it's an industry that can be open to a wide group of people, especially as now like you have the technology is more accessible, right? It's not like you have to have with the, like given what the iPhone can do. Um, If you want to get into being creative, you know, you've got platforms like YouTube and um, a lot of uh, different technology that, in some ways can make it more accessible, but it's, I think it's also the knowledge of knowing what jobs are available, um, you know, that, and that you can make, you can make money and, you know, good money in, in, yeah. in, uh, in being cruised. So, uh, yeah. Um, let's kind of going back to the, the amount of time it's been since we, we talked to you, mm-hmm. there's, there's been a plethora of things that, that's happened, but you kind of hit on it being that you are from London. I think we got to kind of hit on like the whole Meghan Markle and the Oprah interview a little bit, right? Like, oh, and, uh, and uh, how are you doing about, about the Prince? You know, it's, uh, I think they're going, it's, it's, it, they're going through it over in the UK. I mean, they, <laughs> they've, they've to got say the wall, least, they've got wall to wall television coverage uh, for days. Um, so it's, uh, I think for me personally, it was sad, not because, uh, because it reminded me of my, my, you know, my, my, uh, British grandparents, um, just cause they were exactly the same generation. So it sort of reminded me that of their passing. Um, uh, but, um, you know, I think when anybody high profile dies, it's sort of like, I always, for me anyway, it kind of you know, we, we had DMX pass on the same day. And so uh-huh. it's, I think that always, I don't, I don't know if about you guys, but it always reminds me about those that have passed in my life and it always makes me a bit sad. Um, but I don't know if you saw this, uh, um, some of the reporting out of the UK that, you know, that some of the channels like the BBC was actually getting, they were actually getting complaints because there was too much royal coverage um, and people were sick of it. So, um, 
Wow. Yeah. No, the, the, the Prince Harry, Meghan Markle interview with Oprah, that was obviously huge, um, huge TV event. Um, and uh, that, that was very interesting. Obviously, that was like, had so many um, shocking revelations. And it's, I mean, it's obviously going to be interesting to see what happens, um, you know, going forward. You know, that, that how, how long has the Queen got now, you know? Uh, she's really pushing. So, you know, there's, there's kind of, it's like a sort of beginning of an end of an era in a way, mm, like um, yeah. it's going to be changing and it's, it's, uh, who knows how it's going to develop. It's, it's going to be a, an interesting one to watch. Yeah, like, will it keep going? You know, I mean, because mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I wonder how you feel about it since you are, you know, you're from, you're from uh, London, Mm. And being in America, you know how we kind of look, you know, as you know, as big, big stupid Americans, how we just kind of look at um, just the whole royal family. Mm. How we Would just kind of make. It's interesting that you guys bring it up. I didn't even know if you guys are following it. I, I, I mean, I thought, I, yeah. What do you? I don't. I mean, I, mean, I really, honestly, I don't follow it closely. Oh, but you it's, do. it's always just kind of it's there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. All my life. I mean, all my life is just something that's there. The royal family, and sometimes I step back and I'm like, it's just so weird that there's like a royal family and princes it is. and queens, and it is weird. What the hell is going on? <laughs> but you know, as just someone who loves history, like I've, I've been digging deep into like World War One, oh, and yeah. you know, you know, of course, World War One is about the fall of all these old dynasties, mm-hmm. empires, monarchs falling, and it just feels like that. That's like one of the last ones still standing. Mm-hmm. What's, uh, what, are you are you going to recommend some good books that we need to get into? What do you, what are your resources for this? I don't have books. I, I watch your documentaries. Don't, I don't have books. Uh, I've been watching uh, Apocalypse World oh, War One. Oh, that's a real good one. Is that on um, Amazon? It's on yeah, it's on uh, HBO Max, by the way. Oh, interesting. It's really good. All colorized. Uh, oh, I'll check that oh, out. Wow. All yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's colorized <laughs> and it's. I mean, the production is beautiful. I mean, it's beautiful beautiful but yeah I was just I just wonder like you know how do you view like Americans how America view the royal family you know it's there's there's a commentator called Bonnie Greer who um you guys should look up on Twitter and she's she's a longtime cultural commentator I think she's American actually but she's been in the UK like I think I remember her having an American accent I used to watch her on TV when I was younger as well um she she really kind of hits a nail on the head, I think, because it's complicated. It really is not as straightforward as um, I, I think is um, from an American viewpoint. You know, I think Americans kind of view it as a sort of celebrity thing um, uh-huh. because, you know, in America, obviously you don't have that as part of, you don't have unelected people who have power and wealth um, well, no, you obviously do have on, but you know what I mean? They don't have, like, you know, those, those they, they don't have the position. Yeah. They're not heads of state, you know? So, right. and, and I think anytime that you see, you know, so uh, like, so, so I think it's like something hard to relate to if you're American. And I think for British people, it's, there are so many, I think people, you know, people have lots of different experiences of it. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. um, Oh, to, you know, I think I think to quote, um, I'm going to quote Bonnie because I think I think she really kind of hits it. She sort of she captures it in a way that is very hard to understand from the outside. 
She says, it's really difficult to explain to many outside of this country, this love, hate, royal family thing. The love is fierce and the hatred is fierce and the, indif and the indifference is fierce. And it's, it's kind of true. Like I think from day to day, like you're not really thinking about it. It's just part yeah. of your culture in a way, you know, that history and also just, yeah, it is part of the culture, but at the same time, it's, um, you know, people who have unparalleled power and wealth through. Do you, do, you, do you sometimes get defensive about it? Like, I know, like, when people <laughs> talk about New Orleans. Yeah. Like, like people talk about, New, like, New Orleans is just like, a, I don't know if you've been there, but it's a different. I haven't, but I want to. Oh, yeah, okay. I think, I think, I think to some degree, it, they sort of represent to the outside world um the UK aren't they they're sort of like it's sort of like a soft power in some respects that's yeah. kind of what they are and like we talk about their effects on tourism and you know um that yeah so it, it's it, it can it can make you think oh if they're, if they're shown in a bad light um yeah. it, it can make people I think I think the, the response out of the UK after the Meghan and Harry interview with Oprah was a certain amount of defensiveness I mean you saw mm -hmm. you know TV mm -hmm. forecasters like Piers Morgan sort of um, like getting very, very stressed about it. Um, and ultimately kind of, like, you know, having to walk out of his job. So, um, I, I, but I think it's been interesting as well. Like, you know, especially for me, uh, you know, um, trying to understand, you know, I, I've always thought that like you, in the US there's more of an openness well, I wouldn't say like an openness, but there's definitely, I would say the conversation around race and gender um, is more, I would say it's a bit more progressive than in the UK where it mm. hasn't really, I don't think it's ev ev as evolved. Um, really? And yeah, and I think, you know, there's, I often see people talk about, um, you know, how racism in the US and the UK is different. And it, um, I think that, I mean, obviously I'm not, I'm not a specialist in talking about it in any way, shape or form, and they're much more interesting, relevant people to, 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 to comment on it. But um, yeah. I think it's, I mean, it's, um, it's definitely interesting. And, and I think, you know, it made me think about my own um, identity and, um, you know, especially if you're Iranian, you're like, well, you, you, when you're mixed Iranian, like you always like, what box do you tick, you know? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And it, so like, you're not, it, you know, I, I wouldn't really call myself, I call myself British because I am that um, by, by birth and nationality. That's, that's what I am. But it's, I think when you're, whenever you're kind of mixed, you kind of like some, how, how you identify, it's just not something I'd really thought about much when I grew up. Yeah. Um, and I think it's been, it's interesting to think about being made to think about really, um, you know, what, uh, what uh, prejudices there are if you're picking, you know, like when you're thinking about which of your cultures you're uh, leaning on most or um, valuing, it, you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah. and um, so I, I, I just, I just, thought, I think it's very interesting like that. And I think it's very interesting to see the UK kind of go through, you know, confronting its history uh, and um, in a way that, there aren't, there aren't the kind of big voices like there are here, I think, in the same way. There are some in that I'm, I'm really pleased to see the media in the UK elevating many voices, um, diverse voices. Um, I'm glad to see that. And um, it would be great to get um, see more diversity in newsrooms. And I think it's starting to happen. Um, 
as, as much as it should happen here as well. Uh, <clears throat> it's funny you, you bring up identifying race as a father to a daughter who's half black, a quarter white, a quarter Korean. And, but it, it, for all intents and purposes, anyone who looks at my daughter, they all just feel and assume that she's, she's black. Um, that is something that at some point, like you said, she's going to have to, uh, you know, self-identify in terms of um, the things that you, that you hit on. So that's a very, mm. very good point. Um, in regards to these insane streaming wars that are mm -hmm. that are now ongoing, so we had you on right when the crazy uh, HBO Max right. Warner thing happened, and I, I would I, I don't know any insight on it, but I would say that to a degree it's been a success um, in terms of for, for HBO Max in terms of that plan. I know it was not viewed well by the, the theater industry and with mm -hmm. COVID kind of relaxing, the theater at some point is, is gonna make, make its way back. Um, a couple of days ago, we got the news that, I guess Sony had signed some type of deal with Netflix of like, they have right. like the first right to the street, you know, for streaming, there's Discovery Plus, there's Paramount Plus, there's Peacock, which, like bought basically like the WWE network for like a billion dollars. Like there, it's just the streaming industry is just absolutely insane. Um, and even the TV deals that the NFL was able to secure with the TV oh. networks um, and, and Amazon and all that. Wherever you want to take us in regards to it, like just just what are your just your thoughts in general? It doesn't have to be anything specific. But yeah, just, I mean, I think I think it's really interesting. Um, just trying to think what, so, you know, I, th I think it's interesting because like clearly what's happened over the past year has accelerated um, this thing that we've talked about, which is like this, the speed at which movies, big movies come into the home, right? Um, and so it's really accelerated or, or reduced that window. Um, and that was something that I think in Hollywood that's been pushed for by the big studio since um, I think 2011 is the first kind of, date that that is kind of it's one of those sort of landmark dates um when i think the universal tried to do it with a movie called tower heist um and it didn't oh, really, the, the so it didn't really it didn't really plan out as they um as they as they wanted to but now obviously after the mulan experiment with um from disney and they're you know they're going to be doing a similar thing with black widow, uh, black widow. That's, um, big, that's big news yeah, so um, I think that, you know, clearly that's fine, that they've, you know, and, and Disney was, you know, at the extreme when it came to having their movies play the longest in theatres. So um, that it's interesting to see them um, embracing uh, that premium video on demand um, as, as kind of something ongoing. Um, and so that, that's one element. I think on the other side, I think one thing that, you know, I'm thinking about a lot now is, you know, the sort of getting back to normal, whatever that is for Hollywood, um, as, you know, more and more of us are vaccinated and, you know, California is going to fully reopen, you know, lots of places are reopening. Um, and we had, and we had, you know, the sort of pandemic record um, that Godzilla versus Kong set 
um, when it was released earlier this month. So, you know, that's given some um, support to the release of movies um, this summer, maybe, you know. So I think like those are the kind of, I think we're starting to see the box office come back. So that's going to, I think that's going to help us sort of find our, help the industry find its feet in a way of like how much is now going to be box office and how much of it is going to be streaming, you know, like how much, um, what films, are, that's what we're going to have, have to discover. Like what are the films that can survive now at the box office or that can really draw an audience mm -hmm. and what is going to be um, at home, yeah. Yeah, and I also wonder, <clears throat> How, how the fact that the companies get to keep this uh, viewer data private mm. versus you know the box office numbers which come out everybody right. sees this you can't mm -hmm. hide it and it absolutely affects how the movie does right. going forward you know if a movie bombs at week one you know it, it affects how people view how people think about going seeing it the next week yeah you know I mean. So Social media has played, and 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 you know, executives at studios have talked about this for a long time. But that the social media has played a big role in word of mouth and like the survival of a movie. Because like back in the day, um, it could take a while, like for the from yeah. the first um, screenings, for word to get out that actually it wasn't that good or yeah. that it was great. So. Um, now it's like Thursday night and everybody knows whether or not it's any good. And yeah. I, I think it's interesting, like, um, you know, I've spoken <clears throat> to some people who, who like, you know, in the industry who are like, you know what, actually maybe we prefer a streaming, um, you know, a streaming uh, release because then you don't deal with like those soft opening week numbers and oh, so-and-so's movie is a bomb. Um, and so, but yeah, but then, you, you know, as you said, it's kind of interesting, like what, are the numbers, um, what are the real viewing yeah. numbers? You know, Netflix has been increasingly releasing more of its data, um, but yeah, I, I think that's gonna be something that evolves and, you know, there are services like Nielsen that I think have been um, trying to advance um, how they capture viewing oh. that is, um, oh. you, know, or, you know, not linear. So um, I, I think that. that's gonna be interesting, yeah. So I think like as technology develops and there's probably, you know, I think over time, for example, Netflix in the beginning never used to share any data right, about, about right. streaming. And now we're at a point where they, we have a top 10. Um, so, you know, that you can view uh, when, you, when you log on and <clears throat> who knows what they're, what they're sharing privately behind the scenes um, with producers. And, and, but they also release, so when they do their earnings, they usually release some numbers um, about, you know, some performance. Like if something does really yeah. well, they tend to, Remember when yeah. Bird Box did really well? Remember that movie with Sandra oh, Bullock? Yes. Um, that was a massive <laughs> hit, and uh, you know the birds. The, me the memes of the memes are more popular than the movie. I know, I know. The, <laughs> I never. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, honestly, that that was that the the, the memes are hilarious. But yeah, that, I mean, that was massively popular for them. It was, so, yeah, so, largely because of social me social media. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I think it had. I think if I remember rightly, it was re actually released in theaters. I remember it was like in November and it didn't really do much. And then when oh, it came into I don't the home so. early uh -uh. December. I don't, I I don't think so. I think it was a straight Netflix movie. I, 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 let, let, me, let me double check. Let me double check. Because I remember it being, um, let me see, uh, Bird Box, right? Because <clears throat> I remember it was, um, it was when it kind of hit the, it was released at home in December. 
it's really? it it blew up. Yeah, I think like most people probably didn't even know that it had a theatrical release. How do I check this the release date? Twenty first of December. Hold on. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, you see, for example, well, it was at AFI, uh, which is the American Film oh, Institute. Um, yeah. Uh, they showed I it. They showed it in, on the 12th of November at AFI. I'm pretty sure they had it um, in theaters, but I could be I could be wrong. But I, I, let me let me just check this out. But anyway, yeah. So I, I just I think the numbers thing is going to be really interesting. Um, you know, and, and and like what people what people um, what people watch at home. You know, obviously is is you know it might it might lead to you know. Um, yeah, it had a limited release on December 14th. Is that right? Yeah, it was at AFI in November, oh. and then it had a limited release theatrically on December 14th between before streaming worldwide on December 21st. That's, yeah, I had no idea who the Jew being right. That, that's why she's at the LA Times, folks. Yeah. I just, you know, memories. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I just I just remember like because I remember it being released, and then there was kind of a second huge wave when you know um, it was released in the home. So it's interesting the life that things can have, you know, when they're on a different platform. Um, we've seen that for many like cult shows or whatever that have a second life. Um, yeah. So, you know, and one of the things when we talked about like what favorite shows and films, like I don't think I mentioned Arrested Development. That is like one of my all time favorites and that got mm. a major second life on Netflix. Major, major. Although uh, I also made a huge Arrested Development fan feels like it maybe should have just stayed at three seasons really i i would take i mean i don't know i i I just um yeah i i kind of enjoyed seasons four and five um i think Uh, it was a fifth season yeah yeah yeah. it was yeah i think you had to be like a bit of an addict to it to like i'm 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 pretty i'm pretty deep i'm I'm no i i i am too um do you feel like and i i think i know my answer to this but do we do we do you feel like we've reached an oversaturation in the uh, streaming app department. Ooh, that's a good like, question. There's a, there's a streaming app for everything at this point. I think I think the HBO. Um, I think you know, we're still. I think we're, it's too early to say, right? Because there will be winners and losers. People know that there will be. Um, there was this analyst. Um, I probably mentioned it um, last time I came on, but I, one of the, the sort of comments that stuck in my head you know, <clears throat> over the years as a, a, a media analyst who said that, that it was kind of like the Hunger Games. Um, yeah. And at some point, mm-hmm. you know, that not everybody, yeah, I mean, people have limited income to put towards um, towards content. And, you know, one of the big issues that my colleague uh, Ryan Fonda has been writing about is the churn. So, you know, um, it's this idea of churn, which is like you subscribe to HBO maybe for the one show you want to watch and then you, you cancel um and then you know for a few more months until they draw you back in you know what i mean so that's something that the companies have to deal with is constant churning in their subscriber base um and uh so but i think that also the the kind of i feel like some of them have been sort of still streamlining and working on their image so you know you've kind of got there was cbs all access but now it's peacock and now you know hbo Uh max is like it kind of seems to have established itself now it had different incarnations but um, and like HBO now, HBO Go, and all that. So I think um, I think there's, there needs to be a certain amount of time of sort of like of, of grounding and establishing themselves. But I mean, like I was just reading as well about Roku getting into 
um, the content game, you know, and, and coming up with its own content. So, Roku, Roku, yeah. So, you Roku. don't sit your ass down. Some- <laughs> <laughs> Roku, the uh, TV game and the, the little Anosha, hey, Anosha, do you know anything about Zeus Network? No. <laughs> Hold on. Okay. What right, are you no, asking I, me? No, just don't don't even worry about it. Is this something I should be worried about googling? No, no. I mean, it's it's a we we. I paid for it for about two months. It's like these VH1 style problematic. Uh, the real Black China. Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just reality TV shows unfiltered. Oh, oh that that was for Brie, wasn't it? Of course. <laughs> But it was. But I, I mean, I enjoyed. It. I paid for like. I gravitated two straight to that. I clicked straight on that. It's it's so problematic and fun. I ain't gonna lie. I was like, why does no one know about this? I tweet about That's it. That's interesting. People I like that. Like, what are you talking? Yeah, people are like, what are you talking about? I never heard of this. I'm like, man, this is like VH1 slash HBO. Like, what are you talking? That there are a lot of um, there are a lot of kind of I don't want to say niche, but like curated i would say this is what you'd call one of these kind of curated channels there yeah. are some other ones like there's ones for comic-con or like you know um there's a comic-con oh. channel there's definitely what? yeah um I mean, i'm just looking up i'm pretty sure there's a comic-con channel um and uh there's there's others there's a there's a company called um what is it their name's gone out of their mind but there's is there one called dove as well i feel like there's a dove channel um, there's a lot of these channels sort of like uh, that are kind of what you'd call curated um, sort of, of channels that sort of, I don't know what, to, like, yeah, Dove Channel is another one, like I sort of third of, which is, uh, you know, family, uh, faith style of films yeah. as well. So, you know, there's, there is, there is a lot of that and, 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 and they don't actually, you know, now you mention it, that they're not like necessarily hugely well-known, but um there's clearly a market for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, I think the market's going to figure it out. It's, it, it reminds yeah. me a little bit of like early, I wouldn't say early internet, but like late 90s internet. You had all these like search engines, you had all these browsers, you had all these different websites that kind of do the same thing. And everybody's just trying to jockey for position. What do we name it? What do we call it? How do we brand it? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it kind of crashed. And then, you know, the survivors of that crash kind of figured out how to, you know, navigate the system. And I think that'll happen with streaming. So I think we're kind of in the early phase of seeing how it's going to work, but I just find it all so fascinating. But just yeah. uh, I wanted to quickly turn back to the article you wrote about mm-hmm. diversity in Hollywood. Um, one thing I appreciated that you pointed out was, is just, you know, a lot of the focus has been on you know, actors, actresses, directors, writers, and stuff like that. But really, you know, when you finish watching a movie and it goes off, it's five minutes, 10 minutes of credits of just hundreds and hundreds of people that went into making a movie. And that's really where the diversity and inclusion needs to take place. Right. And I just loved how, you know, you pointed out all these little mentorship programs that's happening outside of Hollywood uh or you know finding people that might only have one little credit to their name yeah but you know it's like hey they're trying to get in it's like 
don't remember if you said The Wire was one of your favorite shows. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, there's a scene where like Dookie's talking to Cuddy and he's like, how do I get from here to the rest of the world? Yeah. Like, I, how do I even do that? Yeah. And there's so many people out there that's just like, like, what's the first step do I take? Like, I just want to make one step and then let yeah. me figure it out from there. But how do I get from here to there? And that's yeah. the, why the networks are so important because, you know, if, if it's just, you know, the same people that are helping the same people kind of get in and know who, you know, have those connections. If you don't have those connections um, to people who are working in the industry, then, you know, how are you even going to know? Like, how are you, you going to turn to even ask? How could it even mm-hmm. be a possibility? And, you know, like one of the filmmakers I spoke to called Christina Faith, she um, she is in Philadelphia. So she's outside of those kind of, um, typical uh, filmmaking bubbles, whether it's LA, New York, or Georgia, um, and Atlanta. And so, uh, you know, and it was important to her, she said to me, to stay in Philadelphia because she worked very much with her community um, and, and would train people as well in, in, you know, film production and stuff. And she, through that stop with Eight Program, she got distribution for her, for the for, for a movie she made with, um, you know, Mark Hood, who was on The Voice, and it's uh, it's um, it's called Love You Right, an R&B musical, I think is uh, the name of it. And so, you know, you can get, she got a distribution deal through that. She, that was by, you know, really hustling and, and asking questions and just being able to get access to the right people to ask questions to. That's what these networks are doing, um, giving her access to distribution executives or specialists in distribution who can say, okay, this is who you have to target. This is how you should craft your email. This is what you should ask for in your deal. Um, there was a lot of that as well. Like, um, you know, uh, 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 Sade uh, Nidia, who I spoke to, who's the cinematographer who leads the story, she um, got help sort of getting representation um, from, you know, she was going to interview with, <clears throat> sorry, she was going to interview with the Gersh agency. And she had this major cinematographer through that Start With A program um who was cinematographer on the film uh, destroyer with nicole kidman um her name is julie kirkwood and she gave she, she you know um sade told me about how you know she talked about how julie kind of just helped her uh, own her you know her, her greatness if you like and her self-confidence and how to pitch herself in those rooms and uh, you know, what to ask for uh, to protect herself, like what she should get out of it as well, like uh, what ba- boundaries should, she should set. I think those things are so important, um, especially as like, you know, she's a young black woman cinematographer. There aren't that many of them. So when she's going into these rooms, she's going to be one of the few that do. And, you know, Ava DuVernay said this as well. Like if you are, you know, uh, yeah, you know, you have a disability or you're a person of color uh, or you're both, you know, like, and you're on these sets, sometimes you might be the only one. Um, and, you know, so I think that, you know, having that support network in surviving the industry is, is kind of, and progressing is, 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 is really a key, a key element. Hmm. Hmm. No, it's, it, it's so profound because it's all of it so true. I think we all, when we, when we have guests come on this podcast, kind of who, you know, whoever we speak to, um, being that we're black men and we know how difficult it is to succeed in this, in this country, 
um, being African American, it's always a you know a point you know a point that we talk about of how is it that we as people, black people, women, um, LGBT community, whatever group that are marginalized in this country, how is that? How as a as a network can regardless of the field, how um, we can succeed um, right. without being. I mean, no offense to any white men that listen to this podcast, but being a white man mm-hmm. um, or, 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 or being white. So um, re- reading your article was, it was good to read that and, and, and see uh, people really trying to change the industry um, for how it is now. And I, I don't know how long you've covered the industry, but I, I will ask, have you seen- It's a- about 2014. Okay, so we're going on like seven years, so about seven yeah. years. So yeah. have you seen a change in the amount of time that you've covered the industry? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some shift in the numbers in the past, like one or two years. Like the, if you look at um, the, uh, I think it's called the Annenberg Inclusivity um, uh, Research Group um, that's led by Dr. Stacey Smith. They put out a lot of, at USC, um, and in the, the Annenberg Inclusivity Initiative, that's it, I think that's right. Um, and they put out a lot of different studies around, um, you know, diversity, but in front and behind the camera. I mean, generally, I think that what they've said is like over the past decade, or I mean, I think even when we were looking at Latino filmmakers, um, one of the shocking stats that they had was- um, Blow me away. Yeah, between 2007 and 2018, there was only one director from more than 1,200 movies, popular movies, that was a Latina. Yeah, um, I read that. It was that insane. Yeah, right. It's, and uh, so um, I think, like, firstly, I think, like, looking at the numbers, that's, like, one level of it. And then then you can see, this, obviously, the size of the problem. Um, and there, there have been some of their more recent studies. They looked at directors, and there has been some improvement. Um, and I know that there are different measures, like, um, the Writers Guild does, has done a study on writer, writers' uh, progression. Um, I did a story on that. Um, so, that, that, so that you might be seeing more parity, more equ- equality, um, more, uh, yeah, more, more um, I should say, equity at the entrance stage, um, entry level. But for, from one of those things that the studies show is, is kind of like, what about seniority um, and progressing through the industry? So we found that that study from the WGA last year showed that there are, you know, many of these programs have helped um, greater equity at the entry level, but um, not in sort of like who runs rooms, even for shows about, you know, the, for shows that are about mainly about people of color, you know? So um, I think that's one of the interesting thing about Cruise as well is like, you know, even if, you know, if you're looking at films made by you know, pioneering, pioneering black filmmakers like or, or Asian filmmakers, what are the, what is the, or Latina filmmakers, like what are the, what does the crew look like? Um, so, uh, and I think you'll find a lot of it is, you know, majority white. So I think that's, that's kind of interesting. So there is some progress, but um, I think, uh, you know, there's still, there's still a long way to go. Um. We, you, you touched on it earlier in regards to the, the passing of, of DMX. Uh, for, for me, he played a, a big role in, in just in my childhood because I, I tweeted about how um, 
it just kind of takes you back to a place in my childhood mm-hmm. just being young um do you have a do you have a, do you have a favorite BFX track uh, thanks <laughs> no I, I, I honestly, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend I'm a, um, a big DMX fan. I'm sorry. I, you know, uh, but, I love it. I love it. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, I, I knew he was, uh, I, when I was young, I was really, when I was a teenager in London, I was a massive uh, NWA public enemy iced tea fan. It was Who kind of, are kind of you? random. I know, I know it was, I had this friend, um, she was Greek actually, and she introduced me to, I think it was like 15, 14, 15, a totally coddled uh, upbringing in London. I was never really allowed out much anyway, like to go to clubs or anything or concerts. And she, and I just, I massively fell in love with like um, Ice tea and Public Enemy and yeah. Um, so- Lucia and those London streets was right? wild now. Yeah, you know, I, I <laughs> but um but yeah i mean it's it was interesting uh I, did you see what happened um a bit big oh, well no, i was gonna say a bit bigger of a story in, in the in the u.s but actually i went onto the drudge website which i haven't done for a while but i i, I was just checking out and they had that they had philip leading their front page pretty much all day i think um mm-hmm. so that was kind of uh, strange, I think, for like a, I guess, a right wing website to be sort of very big on monarchy news, but that that sounds that sounds so um so yeah, but um well look, you guys, it's been great talking to you again. I really appreciate you having me on and yep. you know giving profile to these stories, and I really hope that. Um, the listeners out there get to read them and you know if they ever have any feedback or ideas you know my I'm on Twitter at Anusha Sakui and DMs are open you can send me a message if you want to talk in private especially if there's anyone who works in the industry anywhere across the country I'd love to hear from you know you and as you said it's like we talk a lot about stars and people in front of the camera but really this industry is it's a you know a lot of people talk about it being like a working class middle class industry of like just working people who just like work you know um yeah. and so who are, who are kind of regular people who especially over the past year many have lost a lot of work and haven't been working and have been you know leaning on their savings and where they have them and trying to get assistance to get through so um those are the kind of stories i want to tell love it and and we appreciate you for telling them we're going to get you out of here we don't want to keep you too much longer oh, appreciate you uh, the last the last thing i i will say is one of my favorite things that Anusha does on Twitter is when there's like a tweet where like someone's calling something out, just like we would do. She quote tweets and just put the little eyes emoji. Yeah, like what well, I don't um, know. I don't want to say. I don't want to say. I don't want to say anything. But a, a certified instigator and shit starter. Uh, that's why she's a friend of the pod, um, and she's been on three times now. Follow Anusha on Twitter at Anusha Takui. Um, read her articles, read her work. Uh, there's a reason why she comes on this pod. We have her on this podcast. We, we love every time she comes on. Thank you so much for Thank coming. Thank you guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you. Thank you. And with that, we're out. Peace. Peace. Oh, oh she thanks, added the little piece to it too. So you're <laughs> family. 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 <laughs> uh, gotta- Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.